You are listening to Vintage House on WNUR with DJ Lori Branch, Kevin Mega McFall, and Lauren Lowry. Welcome to the Vintage House Show and Podcast and the Mega Presents Philosophical Grooves Edition, all powered by the Modern Dance Music Research and Archiving Foundation. I'm your host, Kevin Mega McFall, and tonight our special guest is DJ, power plant pioneer, all around good guy, and super DJ, Greg Gray. Thank you, Greg, for being with us tonight, and we are honored to have you. We know that um, your music just elevates, it lifts the spirit, it moves us, and we thank you for uh, that kind of uh, selection in your mixes. We're looking forward to uh, you opening once again at the Chosen Few Picnic, and your worldwide uh, acclaim continues to grow good friend and so we thank you and want to hear more about what's in store i have to give my origins to my cousin uh my cousin about three years older than myself uh, his name was kenneth uh, he's the one that turned me on to music we would actually make uh tapes i'm, I'm gonna date myself a little bit with the old component set where we put like the two speakers in front of the uh tabletop a tape recorder that ran on the C batteries, and we would just play 45s off the spindle and make cassette tapes. Do they even make C batteries anymore? Do you Actually, know they do. Oh, they still make okay. C batteries to this day. They still make C batteries. And we would sell the tapes in the neighborhood. But the beauty of what you just shared is the ingenuity that went on. You, you didn't have the equipment. There was, there was no direct was, plug-ins. Yeah. You had to put the speakers in front. No aux the cord. condenser mic. No, there was no aux in. <laughs> none of that. The little condenser mic. You push play and record and hope for the best. So you you had to be pretty determined, though, to, you know, rig that system so that you could get what I'm sure even back then was a fired mixtape. Well, it, in addition to be determined, you also had to be kind of sneaky because it wasn't my setup. It was my aunt's <laughs> setup. We had to wait till they went to bed yeah. and kind of sneak in the back and then turn it and put the speakers together. Then and occasionally you hear the, what y'all doing back there? So it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a nice upbringing. You know? Definitely uh, contributed to the DJ I became today, absolutely. So when, when did the family realize the talent and, and support it openly? This was like post-college. This was like <laughs> wow. post-college. Okay. Uh, went to school, was studying computers and things of that sort. Okay. Always had the love for music. When I was away at school, I uh, started DJing parties at Iowa State. Uh, ultimately Iowa graduated, State. came back home. My father was having none of that, <laughs> none of it at all. He couldn't understand. What are you doing? What, do you, what is this boom, boom, boom I'm hearing over my head all night, all hours? I'm trying to explain to him this is just a love for the music. And he could not believe that you could actually have a career or make money, not even a career, make money doing something like this. And uh, true story, he hired me to play an event for the German national running team. And the event was at the Mercy Home for Boys and Girls, and they loved it. And after that, he saw that there was actually something that I could do with this, and he kind of relented, and I just this, went from there. This is, so it's not just a groove thing. 
house is a family thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, That's a lifestyle. It, it is absolutely a lifestyle in which family members are as involved in, uh, in bringing the talent to light as are the talented, creative people that um, we all appreciate and host on our show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I give big credit to uh, my mom, to my pops. Uh, we just played the Chicago Marathon on Sunday for like the 28th year in a row. Wow. And that was something that what, he turned me on to. And What was, was your location? I saw your post on Facebook saying, hey, if you're out there, if you're running the marathon, check us out. Look for us. I was at the 24-mile uh, mark, age station 19, right at 26th and Michigan in front of the old Rogers Pontiac. Oh, yeah. And we were there from 6 in the morning to about 3 in the afternoon just playing some tunes. Did uh, you see anyone, because that, that's sort of past the wall, right? Did you see anyone uh, <laughs> lifted up by your... Absolutely. Uh, we had your, people that stopped. People yeah. that stopped took pictures. Some people stopped and did a few moves. I'm not saying they were completely enthused and energetic, <laughs> but uh, they stopped and they were like, they were really appreciative of what we were doing. Um, and it was nice. It was nice to see people that were in a different state of being after 24 miles of running Certainly. on concrete. Yeah. You hear something like, oh, I like that. And they stop and they say thank you, and they were appreciative. And that's really what it's all about sometimes. Uh, those folks are definitely inspirational. Shout out to many of my friends who ran the marathon. What, what would you say was a, one of the key tracks that you might have been playing that you saw the greatest response to from uh, those runners? On that day, it was uh, Donnie McClurkin. There was a club mix of We Fall Down. Shut up. And the whole We Fall Down, oh, We apropos, Get Up. Right. Uh, they loved it. They were like, oh, my goodness. The volunteers were like, well, what is that? I never heard of this version before. That's beautiful. So it was, uh, it was, it was really nice to see them uh, kind of take that and go with it. I'll be out looking for that uh, mix on Track Source or, or Beat. Uh, it's out there. Yeah, B-Port, myself. It's out so, there. So you're you're not a runner, but you're... Oh, no. That is. I can't run to the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe to the refrigerator in the dead sprint, but that's about oh, it. Well, that's okay, because after what you were just doing on the, the decks over there, I think you've got enough gift and talent <laughs> uh, right there. And um, your audio capabilities, the uh, manipulation of uh the decks and and the mixes and the music so what was that breakthrough for you uh besides getting your dad's endorsement and and buy-in to this talent that you had what what happened uh that really took you over the edge i would probably say uh working at the power plant as an intern under frankie knuckles okay uh, spent two years there, 84 and 85. Yes. You know, sneaking home from college on the weekends. Not, I didn't even go home sometimes. I would get off the bus, go straight to the club, 6, 7 in the morning, then get home. Oh, when did you get here? Oh, I just got here just a little while ago. <laughs> Hopefully this story has been told prior to oh, tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they, they, yeah, they knew that already. They knew that already. We, but definitely uh, working with Frankie. and uh, Frankie, Greg? I actually met Frankie in the records, in Imports Records. Uh, with him, Mike Winston, and Craig Loftus. What year was that? This was uh, summer of 84. Summer of 84. Summer of 84. I was a sophomore in college. Okay. Mm. In there shopping for records. And yes. Digging through record bins, and Craig Loftus approaching. He's like, hey, you know, are you a DJ? Of course we're DJs. We're all here shopping for records. <laughs> 
So he invited me to come down to the club, and once I went down there, dude, I was just blown away. I mean, just seeing how music could have that type of impact on an individual, myself included. And, you know, just from the continual exposure, uh, also wound up being an intern, working with uh, the sound engineer and learning about sound and just observing how Frankie would uh, work a room over the course of the night. And Certainly. After a while, it's okay, I can use some of this. Because I'm still in school in Iowa, in the middle right. of nowhere, cornfields and veterinary And medicine. a computer science major. And, the com- and I'm a comm sci major. Yeah. So it's like, well, how can I translate this into something that I found that I fell in love with immediately? And here we are in the middle of nowhere in Iowa, yes. listening to Frankie Knuckle mixes and house music and disco, and everybody's like, we're in the middle of Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was um, the campus affinity for you know, the music that you were playing? Well, we sure had a lot of know. people that yeah. were uh, from Chicago, Okay, a lot of people that were from New Jersey. We had people that were from uh, St. Louis, Omaha, uh, not too much from the South. But there were a lot. There were there were enough. I would okay. say there were a lot, but there were enough people where we could actually have a party. Yes. And then once they start connecting with the music, I mean, you can't deny good music. And and so you're living between these two worlds at one point. The hottest club scene burgeoning in Chicago in the '80s. Absolutely. And then the being um, a student, insular, yeah, campus environment of, of Iowa State. What what was that like? Uh, actually, it was it was pretty good because I was also working at the college station there. So some of the same music that we were able to play at the parties, I was also able to play on the radio, yes. which expanded the audience. So someone from, say, a St. Louis who may not have heard house music, it was like all of a sudden, like, oh, what's that? Then we were having the party on Friday night and yeah. Saturday night, and the parties went from 20 people to 40 people to 100 people mm-hmm. to 200 people. And, Everybody's enjoying themselves. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is how house was spread. That, right? that, that is a how house spread, absolutely. You have to give props to the college station for allowing Oh, that. college radio, absolutely, absolutely. College radio broke a lot mm-hmm. of music that commercial radio would not touch back then. Exactly. Absolutely. The uh, South by Southwest and New Music Seminar and Winter Music Conference. New Music Seminar, absolutely. Would give a lot of credence at the time to... Uh, college radio Absolutely. as well. Those conferences were instrumental in elevating the importance and power Absolutely. of college radio. So let's fast forward a little bit. You're out of college back in Chicago or? I came back to Chicago for about a year. I was working in radio. Uh, quick backstory: I switched from com- computer science, which was called ComSci back then. Yep. I switched to radio television and uh, I was working radio here at one of the jazz stations out, out wow. in Harvey. Uh, looking to do something, wound up moving to North Carolina, worked at a couple of stations there, uh, transitioned up to Virginia Beach, and uh, found my way back home and started a music company here and been doing that ever since. And the name of that music company? Uh, That was uh, Attic Music, the Attic Music Company. Was, is, and still will be. And and still going (laughs) since 1991. Myself and uh, my business partner, Illumidae, uh, Lupitan. Yeah, right. I, I saw Luma. He came out to the marathon. Uh, we started Attic Music with uh, $700 in a dream. And we made it work. That's not uh, much different than Johnson 
Mr. John H. Johnson with five hundred dollars from. Uh, well, I think a he did a little bit better. Than <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I think he did a little I'm, bit better. I'm drawing <laughs> parallels here, you know, trying to um, ensure that you know it. It is about a vision. It is. It is. Right. Uh, you know, you have the vision and you apply it, and you have a nice business model, and you know, you apply that model. That's one of the things that I think a lot of times people forget that this is a business. And you have to deal with people, you have to be professional about it, and if you're professional about what you do, uh, they call you back. Because, you know, you, you don't want to be the person that it's all diva-ish, where they're like, oh, I don't want to work with you again. You know, be professional in what you're doing. This is a huge point. Um, so one of my, uh, well, my origin in really getting immersed in the house music business was uh, as my claim to fame being the first house music publicist, right? People in the industry didn't really recognize the need and understand the need for public relations, PR, uh, as a dimension of what they were doing. Because everyone's creative. They're focused on creating. But bringing these other elements into play was another piece of how House was built, right? Publicists, agents, bookers, talent, you know, management, those entities helped to put some of that professionalism and structure in place to ensure that people were getting treated fairly, um, people were able to uh, continue their craft in a, in a way and focus on that craft and ultimately uh, elevate their game. Absolutely. Because uh, a lot of times, you know, we, we look for the house party, the club party, but there's way more to it. I mean, I've done events for General Motors. I've done events for the Anita D Charters. I've had bookings for Navy Pier. And you don't get those bookings without being professional. You don't Absolutely. get those bookings without uh, knowing what it is that you're doing and approaching a client and understanding uh, what a client needs are and what they want versus what you would like to do. Because sometimes it's not about you. You're servicing a client. That's right. And, and client satisfaction is a key component of business. Absolutely. Um, so in your, I mean, you just, as you said, for the 28th year, have DJ one of the world's largest marathons, right? Over 40,000 people. 45,000 45 came by the booth. So it's clear that you have that um, philosophy associated with the way you work. But talk about the music a little bit. Well, the music is, 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 is really the driving force. I mean, to be able to hear something and, you know, you get that feeling. And some people say it's hard to describe, but you know it. I mean, you know it. You know, you get the chills and your hair stands up on the back of your head. And, you know, I've seen people, myself included, reduced to tears from hearing songs that have been played in the club. And to have that kind of impact and power over a room, that's something that we as DJs, that, that's what we look for. That's, that's what we want. We want to see yeah. the people responding to what it is that we're doing. That's our drug. The Vintage House Podcast is sponsored by FP Commercial Advisors, real estate advisors for professionals. Learn more at www.bindersplus.com. And by Excursions Chicago, Chicago's very own monthly global soul dance adventure. Find their new dance adventure at excursionschicago.com.
Vintage House is powered by the Modern Dance Music Research and Archiving Foundation, the only repository in the United States dedicated solely to the study, preservation, and celebration of house and dance music genres. Learn more at dancemusicfound.org. Subscribe and follow the Vintage House podcast on SoundCloud and wherever you get your podcasts, including the Apple Store and Google Play. Find the Dance Music Foundation on social media at Vintage House and at Dance Music Found. And with that drug, I mean, so as I go into this segment, we talk about house as a spiritual thing, right? That is uh, the parallel I think you were referring to in terms of how it moves someone uh, from their deepest emotion to an outward manifestation of that emotion. And to witness that, to know that you had some influence and, and power over it, what's, what's that euphoria like? That, that is one of the uh, best highs you can have legally. <laughs> legally. I mean, just to, to recognize that you're in a room with two or 300 people and their idea of having a good time is based on what you do. What you singularly are doing for that time is going to determine how these people enjoy their evening. And so we have a track playing um, from your mix, Chosen Few Festival uh, 2018. Uh, you can hear it. Uh, I will come back to it, but I want to ask, right, what is it? in your repertoire of songs that may provide that kind of euphoria for you as a, as a listener, not as a DJ? Well, for, uh, for the Chosen Few Festival, uh, I'm like the Grand Marshal. I play first. Yes. I'm, I kick it off. Yes. Eight in the morning. Everybody, well, why are you so, why do you play early? I, I like to play early in the morning. Okay. Uh, and by doing that, you set the table. You set the table for everybody that comes behind you. And Absolutely. my idea when I'm picking songs or determining what I'm going to play that day, uh, I want to play something that represents Chicago, of yes. course. Uh, represents something that's classic, because you know, we are a classic city. Also try to play some of the things that are new, that are out and available. Because you know, playing something that's unreleased, sure, that's great, but your audience can't go get it. They can't, rel they can't relive that moment sometimes. So you want to play things that they recognize, they can enjoy. Uh, also, things that have a good message. I mean, it, some people may look different upon message music, but you know, music is talking to people. And if I can say something to you through the music, then I'm okay with that. And we are talking to the one and only DJ Greg Gray, in case you're just tuning in with us on this episode of Vintage House. Your host, Mega with super duper producer Lauren Lowry yeah. and our media director Chloe in the building. Uh, we are left with about five minutes. We want to hear some other stories from your adventures as a house music DJ. Ooh. Great, great. Uh. Got any great memorable stories that uh, you can share with tonight's listening audience? Okay, I have, I've, uh, I've got one. First time I went to New Jersey, a uh, friend of mine, Barry B., 
brought me up to New Jersey to play at a club called Club Elevation, which actually was the t-shirt that I, oh, I have on for Club Elevation. Club Elevation. We went to a launch party for Clubnet, which was a website. And uh, DJ Camacho, rest in peace, uh, and a number of other Jersey DJs were, you know, were there enjoying themselves. And, you know, Barry was taking me around, introducing me. Well, this is my guy from Chicago, what have you. And you know, they were like, kind of standoffish, you know, it's like, Chicago, this is Jersey. Like, okay, I get it. You know, I'm, I'm new. I'm, all right. Bob Zanzibar. And Territory. Exactly. To, yep. But I knew Camacho from Miami. Okay. From doing some events down at Winter Music. Yep. And, you know, Camacho was huge in Jersey. Yes. So, you know, we kind of matriculated through the crowd. You know, he's introduced me to people, and they're still like, eh, we don't know, dude. <laughs> and out of nowhere, I hear, Greg! Greg! And I look, and I'm like, and I'm like Dave! What's up, Dave? He's like, Greg, what are you doing here? It's like, I just came up to kick it, and they're like, all the other Jersey, well, you know, you know Camacho? And Dave's like, man, come over here, dude. Come over here. Come over here. It's like, you guys don't know. And he's telling the story of us kicking yeah. in Miami. Then all of a sudden, everybody's all friendly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Is that what it is? The ice was broken. Yeah. At the the ice was broken. Yeah. And Jersey loved me ever since. Wow. So did you ever play, uh, besides Club Elevation, Zanzibar? Or no, I think Zanzibar had closed by then. Okay. So Zanzibar had closed by then. Uh, it was Club Elevations. Uh, a couple other spots in Jersey. Uh, and Jersey's actually is, is an awesome city. They, they show mad love. Now, big up to the Jersey DJs, the Jersey party heads, absolutely. We hope that some of the Jersey folks are tuned in. Certainly our Facebook Live broadcast. Uh, we hit up New York, New Jersey area, Atlanta, Baltimore. Absolutely. ATL. Detroit. And uh, up, we, again, are really about the culture, right? We're here to spread the news about house music being this vibrant experience and we are here every Wednesday uh, either myself or Lori Branch bringing you these stories and understanding of the history of house and the business of house music Philosophical Grooves Edition also asks our guests one magical question all right. Every episode. And so we'll tee this one up for Greg Gray. If the continent of Africa was in the same position as the U.S. of A, U.S. of A was somewhere else around the world, what belief do you have that we would have a different experience than we have today being faced with injustices, racism, and those things. Do you think the physical position of Africa would make a difference? I think it would make a difference because we were already established in Africa. I mean, one thing to recognize, uh, we as African Americans, we were brought here at the workforce. Kidnapped. We did not choose to come here <laughs> looking for a better way. We were here as part of the workforce. Uh, if you look at Africa as it exists today, and, and as you stated, if, if the roles were reversed, uh, we would be uh, on very stable ground. We would be thriving because, again, we were already there. Absolutely. Uh, I appreciate your perspective. I appreciate your 
being present with us tonight at another episode of Vintage House. For those of you tuned in, make sure that you check out one of our upcoming events, Chicago Black Social Cultural Map and the Dance Music Research and Archive Foundation, Northside Queer Nightlife and Youth Culture on Saturday, October 19th from 12 to 6 p.m. at the Center on Halstead, 3656 North Halstead. We'll be there in the building. It's Vintage House, your main man, Mega, with DJ Greg Gray. I want to thank you guys for inviting me to come out tonight and uh, sharing some stories and uh, just being able to play some music for the people. Well, we you, you, you played it, brother. You killed it today. <laughs> yes, sure. yes, absolutely. Me, uh, Friday night. Leo's Den, two-year anniversary of the New Bank Sessions Live. Yes. Then uh, the 26th, the Lodge's one-year anniversary and Halloween party. Then I'm off to the West Coast, San Diego, L.A. Then I'll be back here for a couple of weeks and uh, be back out. Can our listening audience follow you on social media? Absolutely. Uh, Facebook under my government name, Greg Gray. <laughs> Mixcloud, same name, Greg Gray. Uh, I keep it simple. Listen to Vintage House on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. on WNUR 89.3 FM, WNUR.org, Facebook Live, and VintageHouseShow.com. The Vintage House Podcast is sponsored by FP Commercial Advisors, real estate advisors for professionals. Learn more at www.FindersPlus.com. And by Excursions Chicago, Chicago's very own monthly global soul dance adventure. Find their new dance adventure at excursionschicago.com. Vintage House is powered by the Modern Dance Music Research and Archiving Foundation, the only repository in the United States dedicated solely to the study, preservation, and celebration of house and dance music genres. Learn more at dancemusicfound.org. Subscribe and follow the Vintage House podcast on SoundCloud and wherever you get your podcasts, including the Apple Store and Google Play. Find the Dance Music Foundation on social media at Vintage House and at Dance Music Found.